focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome, welcome, welcome back to another exciting episode of Processing College Football. This is episode number 14. It's our week 13 review conference championship preview. This is Processing College Football, the college football podcast designed to educate and entertain. I'm your host, Jason Randazza, with me, as always... Live from Princeton, New Jersey, Mark Catlin. Mark, how are you doing? Uh, I've been better. Yeah. No, me too. Uh, several of our listeners pointed out that I sounded a little sick last week, uh, nice. which I didn't acknowledge on the podcast. I definitely was sick, huh? um, but I feel worse this week. <laughs> so, Yeah, I can't imagine why that <laughs> might be. Me either. Uh, me either. It was a, it was a, it was a, it's a, basically, I think, functionally the, the longest weekend of college football games because they kind of stretch from, I don't know, we had, I think, some on Wednesday all the way through till Saturday, like good ones, quality games. But yeah, it, it started to wear on me. I don't know, right around, you know, six o'clock, seven o'clock on Saturday night. So, yeah. Yeah, I felt the same thing. I wonder what it was. I don't know. We can talk a little bit about we'll, it. Maybe we'll we can, have to process that a little bit. Maybe, maybe we, we can could, figure it out. We can talk it out. All right. As I said, this is our conference championship podcast. If you have questions you want us to answer, topics you want us to discuss, or terms you want us to define, send them in. You can reach us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB or email us at ProcessingCollegeFootball at gmail.com. So at the top of the show, uh, the big thing I want to process right now is what are your thoughts about the committee's latest and penultimate four plus two so the committee says right now coming in at number one is clemson auburn is number two oklahoma at number three number four is wisconsin then you have on the outside looking in alabama at five and georgia at six so as you know uh alabama had a loss this weekend uh and georgia had a big win so I'm sorry, did I say Georgia? I, I meant Auburn. So we saw some shake-up there, but what are, what's your thinking about this? It's very interesting. I mean, I think Auburn should probably be in the top four, maybe at four, but mm-hmm. to be all the way up at two is kind of wild with, with two, two losses. losses. yeah. Especially two spots ahead of undefeated Wisconsin. Dude, For... They just don't like Wisconsin. No, it's... Wisconsin, I know you haven't lost a single game. But we're going to put two one-loss and one two-loss team ahead of you. So, sorry, guys. I mean, I think that's kind of absurd. I would probably have, if we're talking about body of work, uh-huh. then I would have Wisconsin, Oklahoma, Clemson, Auburn. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I'm sorry. I still can't get over the fact that Clemson lost to Syracuse and they're number one. I mean, did Syracuse even finish with a winning record? I'm not even know. sure. Does Syracuse even play football? That's the question. <laughs> That's right. I mean, what the heck? Um, so, I, yeah, I think that whole thing is very interesting. So, we're like, oh, well, you know, they lost their quarterback for part of the game. Oh, okay. That's fine. One at Syracuse. 
two, if injuries really are that important, then we might want to have another one-loss team pretty high up on the list that isn't in the top <laughs> That's right true. Just, just throwing it out there. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this. If uh... Oh, and by the way, that, that team that Shower made nameless had, you know, five or six injuries since the first game right. of the season. But, you know, right. whatever. That's fine. Speaking of which... Uh, if Alabama had lost to Auburn, I don't know, third week in in the the season, do you think they would be ranked higher now? Everything else being the same, I definitely think so. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting I mean, if, if how they, this works. If they if they lost to Auburn and then Auburn after that lost to Clemson, or they had already lost to Clemson, then Alabama beats Auburn, then Auburn loses to LSU, uh-huh. and Alabama runs the table. Yeah, I think they're in the top four for sure. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, there you have it. Um, okay, uh, I th- I think I'm in agreement with you. I think at this point I probably would put Wisconsin up there. It's not like, I mean, their best loss continues to be. I mean, I'm sorry, best loss, best win continues to be the win against Michigan. Uh, but as you said last week, they've done what they needed to do. They they blanked Minnesota this week. Uh, and and they haven't they, lost they, any games. They didn't lose to Syracuse. That's true. Yeah, or Iowa State, <laughs> or blow a 20, what, 20 point lead against LSU. It's like so. Just I don't understand. Sure, sure. Okay, uh, but Bama's sitting pretty, so that's nice. It, and we can talk uh, a little bit about how uh, the conference championships might affect this going into the very final committee rankings uh, momentarily but we do have just a lot to review and then also to preview and I do want to allot a little bit of time at the end like we did last week talking about all the almost nonsense going on in the coaching hiring world so are you ready to get start started with some reviews let's do it let's talk week 13 First week 13 review, we're probably going to spend a number of minutes on this one. The Iron Bowl, Auburn, Alabama. Alabama expected to win by four and a half or four, depending on where you looked at kickoff. Final score was 26 to 14, Auburn. So what happened? Alabama looked good for the first few minutes of the game. You and I were both texting back and forth saying the defense was looking better than it had in recent weeks. But Auburn still managed to get up 10-7 to by the end of the first half. And, and that was even with Jalen Hurts throwing a pass on his back foot and a double or like triple coverage to Jerry Judy, who is somebody, frankly, I hadn't heard of. And honestly, that was, that was a, luck, a lucky pass. Um, he, he made a nice catch there in the end zone um, to get Alabama those seven points. But it was dangerous and... Um, it just happened to connect. Then, to start the second half, Bo Scarborough did what Bo Scarborough does. He ran uh, for a touchdown to put Alabama up 14-10. to 10. And at this point, my friend Dave calls. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, and it looked like things were finally going to start uh, turning around because I thought we were going to start running the freaking ball. Um, but I think Dave might have been bad luck, so I'll never talk to him again. Um, Sorry, Dave. So... So, just to give you an idea, so Bo Scarborough ran for that touchdown, okay? Jalen Hurts, throughout the whole game, ran the ball 17 times. 17 alone, okay? Bo Scarborough, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, they only had six carries each. Jalen Hurts ran it almost 
more than he gave it to his running backs total. And I'm not really sure why. Um, my sister, I watched her with her, and she gave the assessment that it looked like Jalen didn't trust his team. And I think that seems fair. It, it really looked like he didn't. Like, he was constantly looking around, and he couldn't see anyone to hand it off to or pass it to. And then he just took off running way too late. He would lose yardage. He's, he'd do crazy things like run way back and then step out of bounds. Um, all of this piled on top of weird mistakes that a team like Alabama never really makes. Like the center snapping the ball to basically no one twice in a row. Um, it it really made for a, a painful and slow death. Uh, so you have Alabama having a really bad game, and then Auburn had a pretty good game. Stidham completed 21 for 28 uh, and 237 yards. Jalen was like 13 for 23, and I don't even know how many yards. Um, and Carrion Johnson had over 100 yards rushing before he got injured and left the game sometime in the fourth. I, I don't know what was going on. I really don't. Uh, Auburn's a good team, no doubt, but uh, and we'll talk about it. I, I do think that they'll probably win the SEC championship. Uh, but Alabama is not a bad team, and you would not have known that to watch them in this game. It, it's like they just weren't up to it. I, they looked flustered. They looked completely outmatched, and uh, I don't know, <clears throat> frankly terrible. Yeah, I mean, I, they Alabama played a terrible game. Auburn played a pretty good game. I don't mm-hmm. even think that was Auburn's best, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, and I think Alabama just played that poorly. Uh, you know, if you played Alabama, if Alabama Auburn played ten times, I think Alabama probably wins a majority of those games. But Saturday, Auburn was very clearly the better team. Mm-hmm. But I think there's probably, I think the entire top twenty-five would have been better than Alabama on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I'm not real sure what was going on, Jalen. You know, so <laughs> thinking about my going into the game, my prediction, how I thought it would go, basically the opposite of how it went. Yeah. Um, I thought Jalen would be the deciding factor in the positive direction, uh, and Stidham would more so struggle or not be able to play well in the clutch, and it was the reverse. Um, Jalen didn't play well. He reverted back to like he was a freshman starting his first game. He didn't read defense as well. He didn't have poise in the pocket. Uh, he really didn't throw the ball well either. I mean, to be honest, there were a couple mm-hmm. of times where you had wide receivers wide open and he just missed them. Mm-hmm. Um, some were released downfield for potential touchdowns if they're thrown to them. Others are wide open in the middle of the field and he just didn't throw it accurately. Uh, he ran out of bounds a couple of times, just took sacks when he could have easily thrown the ball away. Um, and then... Uh, and I think most of the problems on the offensive side still saw a stick there. I really didn't understand a lot of the play calling. No, uh, neither did I. And so, <laughs> is is this an issue with? I mean, should we blame the the new offensive coordinator this year? Why why weren't they running the ball more? You well, and I talked it, before the show. They they were having success with the run game, and then they yeah, didn't stick I mean, with it. Here's you know what it seemed like to me is this, and this was kind of. What I thought going into the game, I think the coaches saw the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think going into the game, their play calling strategy was to throw the ball some more, to call some plays they hadn't called, open up the playbook a little bit, give Jalen the opportunity to show that he's grown into a better passer and a better quarterback. And so they had more pass plays called in the beginning. I think I understand that part. You want to catch Auburn off guard, you think you got some plays that can catch him. 
Auburn's defense was disciplined and wasn't caught on a couple of those throws where we're gonna where we were gonna throw it back across the field or fake a screen and then throw it downfield. Whatever, that's great. Well then realize those plays aren't working. And realize also, guess what is working? Running the ball straight at them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we very early on you could tell we could run the ball with Bo Scarborough, with Damian Harris, and with Josh Jacobs. And the fact that the, they weren't running the ball more was kind of insane to me. I mean, it, and I said this before we got on, if you had told me that Alabama would run for over 200 yards against the Auburn defense, who would win the game? I would say there's no doubt that Alabama would win the game. We ran for over 200 yards and lost by 12. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the, the play calling, it was, you know, Auburn's punter had a great game. He pins Alabama deep. The ball bounces on like the one inch line and backs up a little bit. And, you know, we run a play, you know, okay, six yards, second and four, you know, backed up in our own territory. We throw two passes. I'm like, we just ran it for six yards, run the ball again, mm-hmm. and then run it again, and then run it again. And it was proven. I said, you know, I was texting with a bunch of people at halftime. I said, we should just come out and run the ball, and I think we'll be fine. So, what do we do right after halftime, as you mentioned? A little swing pass, short swing pass to a running back. Four runs after that, five plays touchdown. And I, well, and I thought, this is it. Okay, we yeah, we finally figured out. You just run the ball and you score. And then we didn't do it again. Mm-mm. We never did it again. Um, and so offensively, what that but what that does is the same thing that 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 we did against Mississippi State. Time of possession ends up being way. In Auburn's favor, mm-hmm. defense, a depleted defense, ends up getting tired. And I think our defense played really well. Auburn's got a great offense. I don't really have much to say about the defense in the in terms of the way the players played. Um, I thought they did as well as they could have in the situations they were put in. Um, and so I, I just think Auburn had a huge advantage in time of possession Offense didn't do anything it was supposed to do or could have done, partially because of play calling and then partially because Jalen Hurts just reverted to an old version of himself. And then also partially because of just weird, stupid mistakes that... Uh... Well, yeah, and then, I mean, you, you add to that the dumb mistakes, like, um, you know, the two snaps are easy to point to, which is pretty obvious, like... I think Gary Danielson calling the game said, I don't think I've ever seen that in my entire life. And he's been <laughs> playing playing and watching football for a long time. And so you don't expect that to see you don't expect to see that from a team that prides itself on discipline, right? right. And doing the little things right. But but then there are other things like so we return a kickoff. I think it's after Auburn goes up twenty to fourteen. Mm-hmm. We return a kickoff to Auburn's forty. First play after that offsides yeah then we have a third down and pretty short and jalen hurts gets a delay of game he's just standing there wait looking around he's got plenty of time and he just doesn't call for the snap in time it's like dude what are you doing and and so we end up that's when we try the field goal and then we can't even snap the ball to the guy correctly right he doesn't get the hold down and we don't get any points and that could have changed just even making that field goal, forget getting a touchdown, making that field goal could have changed the complexion of the game because all of a sudden you're within a field goal and you're kicking off instead of all the momentum <coughs> going in Auburn's direction uh, with you know stopping us on fourth down, we don't make a field goal, huge momentum swing, put things pretty much unraveled from there. 
And so it's like, guys, don't make those stupid mistakes. Mm-hmm. So offensive offense, um, well, I should say, Jalen Hurts didn't play very well. Play calling was strange. And what I would say is um, I was surprised how well we could run on Auburn. I thought they had stopped the run we'd be able to throw. I don't think Auburn's defense is elite. Mm-hmm. I think they have. I think they have elite pass rushers. That's what I think. Well, and also, I mean, the commentators even talked about it during the game. Is basically it looked like Auburn uh, set up their defense to, you know, put extra coverage on, on Calvin, Calvin Ridley, Ridley and and Jalen Hurts. So I think they were basically just working against us doing anything through the air, which should not have made the difference that it did. But here's but here's the thing, like so. Okay, cover cover Ridley. Great. Who did you throw the winning touchdown to against Mississippi State? Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Who did yeah. you throw your only touchdown to in the Auburn game? Jerry Judy. Two freshman wide receivers. Look for those guys. But these are the little things that players, right, mm-hmm. that of especially on Alabama State, these are fundamental things that you learn very early on in football. Mm-hmm. Like when it's – third down usually but especially when it's fourth down you gotta catch the ball beyond the first down marker Mm -hmm. um and things like snaps and watching the game clock and all that sort of stuff and we just didn't do it well on the defensive side so i mean i think that the offensive side of the ball was the heart of the issue Mm -hmm. i think defensively i think our players played well but the coaches didn't always put them in the best position and uh, they talked about it a lot. I mean, we blitzed on third down. We got him in th- third and long several times, and then blitzed on third down, and didn't disguise the blitz well. Didn't mix up the blitzes, and so it's like, okay, they're gonna blitz. We're gonna throw the ball right there and get a first down every single time. Every time. And I, and I watched a little bit of the game <clears throat> again. You go on YouTube and get like a the game in thirty minutes, and so it cuts out all the extra stuff. It's great. Mm-hmm. And so you're watching the plays. You watch the third down. Very early on, when we didn't blitz, we stopped them. And when we did blitz, we didn't. And it's just like, are, are we watching the same game? It just it just didn't make any sense. And here's the thing. that When I get frustrated with Alabama losing is when we lose and it, it there's just so, like – easily fixable mistakes if we play a good game and they beat us they beat us so lose to clemson in the national championship game look clemson won that game mm-hmm. okay they made the necessary plays to win that game bama played a good game both Scarborough doesn't break his leg i think we win but there's not much you could do about that sure but clemson just came back and made the plays they needed to play to, to make to win the game alabama just didn't make plays at all to, mm-hmm. to try to win this game left so much on the field both the coaches and the players. So it's just, I don't know. I was frustrated with the third down defense, the way that yeah. the coaches called that. Um, and then the offense just looked kind of inept. But, I mean, <clears throat> I would uh, I'd love to be able to play Auburn again, maybe in the playoff. Yeah. Because by that time, uh, defense will be a little healthier. Mm-hmm. be a lot of fun, fun to see that. So, And hopefully – we will learn that we can run the football. I'm, I'm, I have to imagine that Nick Saban wouldn't let them not learn that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but also uh, I should say, I mean, credit to Auburn. Um, talk about Alabama's foibles, but 
Auburn is a better team than I thought. Um, yeah. They, they, I think especially at home, the crowd's insane. Sure. Um, it's great. I think offensively they're better than I thought. Jarrett Siddham really showed up and played a great game. Kerryon Johnson's a good running back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was happy to see that he wasn't more injured. Uh, so it, it does seem it, – it seems like he'll be back for this uh, matchup against Georgia. Uh, yeah, he, that, he that's pretty key a, for them. He's a shoulder injury. He's really good, and I think the offense kind of runs through him in many ways. Um, and like I said, I, I don't think their defense is all around elite, but that front seven can really get after the quarterback and, and mess mm-hmm. some things up. So uh, Auburn's a good football team, um, but I think Alabama lost this game more than Auburn went out there and won it, but Sure. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if, if Auburn can beat Georgia and then if maybe Alabama can sneak in there. Maybe we have an Iron Bowl playoff or Iron Bowl National Championship. That would be amazing. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Over the course of this week, have people been approaching you and uh, through, like, half smiles saying things like, I'm sorry for your loss? Uh yeah, constantly. 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 I'm like I'm I'm so sure you are. Or like, oh hey Mark, uh, I get this one a lot. Are you okay? <laughs> Maybe, am I okay? <laughs> yeah, I get those sorts of questions a lot. Or like I'll be focused on my work and somebody will walk by and be like, Oh Mark, are you are you a little crabby today? Yeah. What am, I'm doing my work. What are you, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the game? Yeah. yeah I just know how you're taking the loss. I'll yeah. show you how to take the loss. Speaking of the game, first of all, let's never talk about that one again. Uh, but let's talk about Ohio State, Michigan. Ohio State, uh, 11.5 point favorite. They won this 31-20, to 20, so they did not cover that spread, but they nearly did. So this game was exciting because it looked like Michigan was going to win for the first, I don't know, 20 minutes. Michigan was up 14-0 to zero right at the top of the second quarter, but that was about all the juice they had in the tank. Ohio State won this game mostly on the ground. J.T. Barrett was taken out after an injury. Uh, he sustained actually prior to the game uh, started to affect him. Apparently, a guy with a camera ran into him. I- I'm not sure what's going on. There was all sorts bizarre of, situation. Yeah, all sorts of conspiracy theories out there. Uh, I'm not sure how much force this guy with a camera hit him with, uh, but it must be pretty serious if it basically affected him. You know, an hour or so later, at least, uh, Urban Meyer vowed to launch an investigation, which is good. That'll give him something to do in the off season, but um, Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio State, you know, ended up, you know, rallying back, and I, I don't know who their backup quarterback was. I, I texted you when I heard that Ohio State was using a, a backup quarterback. That that just kind of makes me feel nauseous. It, it's a little too to bring back some memories. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so don't worry until they get to the third string. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's the third scared. string that's problematic. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the second string got them all the way to the the, the playoff um, or championship or whatever the heck it was. Yeah, so if they start their third-string quarterback in the Big Ten championship game, then that's when you should start freaking out. Yeah. Do you have anything to say about this game? I have nothing to say about all this right, game. All right, let's move on. Notre Dame-Stanford, 
I think I called Notre Dame to win because I said that I didn't think either team was very good, but I thought Stanford was worse. And again, I thought I was going to be right, but Stanford ended up winning 38-20. to uh, It still caps a heck of a return for Notre Dame this season. Let's not forget they were 4-8 and last year. And now they're 9-3, and so good for them. So Stanford wins. Uh, this didn't affect their uh, going to the the Pac-12 championship. They were already locked for that. But uh, this does add a nice win on their record uh, against a... I don't even know what Notre Dame was ranked, nine or something. Eight, I think. Yeah. Anything to say about this one? Go Cardinal, baby. All right, moving on. Wazoo against Washington. This was the Apple Cup. Washington was favored to win by nine, and they ended up winning this game 41-14. to Washington killed Wazoo, which is disappointing for the Cougs. I, I think with a win here, they would have gone to the Pac-12 championship game, but Washington won, so now it's Stanford-USC. So, Well, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't even really close at all. It was no. 34 nothing, I think, going in the fourth quarter. <laughs> that's, that's right, it was. Uh, so, yeah, well, sorry, Cougs. Welcome to the big time. Nine and three, not bad. Uh, Huskies, way to go. Uh, you are, I don't know. You beat your rival, I guess, but you're not playing for anything else. So. Nope. You're going Sad to for you. All right. Clemson played South Carolina. Uh, two touchdown favorites in the Palmetto Cup. Palmetto Bowl. Whatever we decided it was last year. Or last last week. Um, they won this 34-10. to 10, So, good for them. <laughs> Not unsurprising. So Clemson was already locked for the ACC championship game. and Yeah, oh well. But South Carolina, what did they finish the season? Eight and four? Eight and four, way to go. Yeah, good, good for South Carolina. All right, then Georgia playing Georgia Tech in the clean old-fashioned hate game. Georgia was an 11-point favorite. They won 38-7. to Good yeah. for them. I don't know what else to say about that game. All right. Well, we'll see if it's a little bit of momentum going into that SEC championship game. Sure. I mean, I guess if you beat your rival, that's that's a big deal. Of course, Auburn has that same feather in their cap. Uh, Georgia Tech and Alabama are not comparable. Not comparable. Sorry. All right. Uh, Then... I don't think we talked about this game, but I'm going to talk about it now. I know, actually, Let's for a fact, we it. didn't talk about it. UCF played USF for yeah. the War on I-4, which is a great name for a rivalry game. Final mm-hmm. score here was 49-42 to UCF. This very well might have been the most exciting game of the weekend. The teams were pretty evenly matched back and forth throughout, and... Uh, as, as I say, when teams are evenly matched, honestly, this was no different. If you had extended the game two minutes, things could have and probably would have easily gone the other way. In fact, if you had extended the game two minutes, the score might have been 30 points higher. Um, so, uh, honestly, so UCF scored with a little over two minutes left in the fourth, and then things started happening really quick. So, that put UCF up 42-34. to 34. Um, and so keep in mind, I'm, I'm going to read you like a series of like three or four things. These things all happened in less than a minute of game time. So UCF scores, scores 42-34. USF uh, was kicked off to. Uh, they 
I don't know, they they return the, the kickoff for like 20 yards or something, uh, and then they get uh, a, a penalty, and then on the very next play, they pass it and return for an 83-yard touchdown. Tie game. So then UCF returns the kickoff for a 95-yard touchdown, and then UCF is up. 49-42, USF gets the kickoff, drives into UCF territory with about a minute left, and then they fumble the ball, US, UCF recovers, game over. So UCF finishes the regular season undefeated. They'll now play Memphis, I think, in the American uh, League or American Athletic Conference Championship. Um, yeah. Here's what's really terrible, though. So UCF defeats a one-loss USF team, a, r- a really good, really great team. How does the playoff committee reward them in the rankings? <clears throat> they move them up one spot. And frankly, I think if UCF had not even played a game, if they just had a bye week, I think they still would have gained that one spot just with Notre Dame falling, like losing and dropping below them. Uh, right. I know that... I don't know, the athletic director or the coach at UCF was complaining about this, saying basically there's nothing that they could do to actually be uh, treated seriously by the the playoff committee, which I think is... That's correct. ...is correct, which almost makes you think, why do you even bother ranking them then, playoff committee? Just say that you're going to only consider Power 5 teams and, and just well, leave them off. I mean, it matters in terms of like where they play a bowl, because they could... Yes. Well, if they make it to New Year's Six Bowl as one as one of the top, um, you know, not Power Five conferences, then they get a lot of money. Sure, that's true, and especially if they win that game, I wonder what bowl they will end up going to. We'll see. Not the Bahamas. <laughs> not the Bahamas. We'll talk about that in a minute. So, uh, next. The Egg Bowl. Ole Miss playing Mississippi State. Mississippi State was supposed to win by 16, and they lost by 3. Final <coughs> score, 31-28. Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins this one uh, and takes away Alabama's only top 15 win. Ole Miss led the whole game. I went to bed, and they were up 31-13. to Apparently... Mississippi State, so they were up 31-13 to 13 with about eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, and apparently Mississippi State thought, okay, now's the time to start playing football. Uh, and they really made a show of it in the last eight minutes, uh, getting within a field goal at the end. So, it, you know, they put up 15 points in eight minutes of, of game time and managed to not let Mississippi or Ole Miss score again. I don't know. It's a sad game. Yeah, I mean, the the, yeah. the real sad part about it is the injury, um, the injury to Mississippi State's quarterback very early on in the game. Um, I mean, he dislocated his ankle and it looked really nasty. It was uh, horrifying. If anybody yeah. out there, uh, it has a, a sensitive stomach, do not watch this. this no. play. it is his leg. His leg looks completely turned around. Um, yeah, and I think I mean that affects the game, right? So very early on, you lose your quarterback. That pretty much is the star of your offense. Everybody begin, everything begins and ends with him. And so you end up. I think they turned the ball over five times. Um, Mississippi State did. And so I mean, after he went out, it was kind of like, yeah, Ole Miss will probably take control. And Ole Miss has a high-powered offense and all those sort of things. And so uh, it, 
this looks bad, and it looks bad for Alabama because this is one of those close wins. Just like beating Florida State doesn't look that great. But probably the worst thing Alabama did all season was hurt Florida State's quarterback in the first game, and now quarterback gets injured here. So it's it, it's a tough break for Mississippi State. They could have ended the season on a high. Of course, they lose their quarterback, and then not even a few days later, they also lose their head coach. So yeah, it was it was a tough weekend for Mississippi yeah, State. True. All right, next we have Oklahoma playing against West Virginia. I don't even know if this is a rivalry game, but anyway, it's not. Oklahoma wins fifty-nine to thirty-one. Then we had Miami playing Pitt. Um. Final score, 24-14, to 14. <clears throat> Pitt. So, uh, I don't know. Was the U really back? Did the U ever drop a game to a 4-7 and seven team like this? Uh, <laughs> to likely eliminate themselves from the national title consideration? I don't know. I, I didn't follow college football back then. The uh, answer is no. But they did <laughs> lose to Alabama in the 93 Sugar Bowl. Um, yeah, what a terrible showing. I mean, I I mean I don't know how you just not win the game. I, guess, I mean I guess Pitt's pretty well practiced in this sort of thing, having beaten Clemson last year and Penn which, State, I think. And so Pitt, you know, I mean, here's the thing: it could be a sign that Miami's going to win the national championship. Now you never know. Um, but they looked terrible. I mean, they were down twenty four seven late. No, they were they were, really they were playing from behind the, the whole time. I think maybe it was yeah, tied seven seven. I don't know, but they were never really in the game. It's a pretty poor showing against a terrible team. Uh, and sometimes I can be like, "Whoa, wake up, call!" And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Pitt exposed some things. That's actually beneficial to them going into the game against Clemson. But if they beat Clemson, they're in uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. You think they're ranked seven right now? So, if they beat Clemson, they're the number one team there. Okay. Okay. One loss, Miami. One loss. That's true. I mean, remember, Clemson has one loss to freaking Syracuse. Probably the worst team one in the country. Them. Yeah. Cheapers. Anyway, I'll probably say that several more times, but uh, <laughs> I think I think if Miami beats Clemson, they're in. Yeah. All right. Fair. Yeah. I, I was wondering what it must be like to be a Pitt fan. Uh, Pitt seemingly exists at least these last two years just to, I don't know, ruin major program seasons, or at least try. It seems like it could be awesome. I agree. It's like like no risk, all reward. Oh, who cares? We we could lose to FCS opponents, but we're going to beat the potential national champion (laughs) one week, and so we're all going to show up. And if we lose, who cares? It means nothing, but we could ruin somebody else's season. Get the best victory of the year. I think it's fantastic. If you're like a student at Pitt, just show up about halftime. You know what's going to happen. If you want to stay around for the big victory, you do. If you don't, for the loss to... You know, whomever, Baylor or something, then we just leave. Yeah, good for them. All right, well, well done, Pitt. Next, let's talk UAB UTEP. UAB won this game 28 to 7. They wrapped up the regular season 8 and 4. And I want to say it again Vegas expected UAB to win two and a half games this year. Everybody's saying, oh, don't worry about the wins this year. This is just a rebuilding year, quite literally a rebuilding year. 
but UAB is 8-4, and four, and they're going to play the Ohio Bobcats in the Bahamas Bowl on December 22nd. So congratulations to the Blazers. They did holy crap amazing this year. So I mean, it really is incredible. Co- Coach of the year? Does anybody else deserve it more? I don't think I, so. I can't, I can't think. It seems like every other team has underperformed. Yeah, and you know what? So maybe UCF's, maybe Scott Frost at UCF. See, I'm a little bit worried. If he had, uh, I mean, you know what? He's he's done amazing things. I wouldn't be too upset. I still think UAB is a much better story. So, oh yeah. sure. Um, it's important to know that the coach at UTEP used to coach at Alabama. So I kind of see this as a win over Alabama too. <laughs> Wait, is Mike Price the... He is, and I think he might have won a game, maybe zero games this year, I don't know. Okay, well, he also won zero games coaching at Alabama because he never coached a game at Alabama. That's true, he never actually <laughs> was a got scandal. around it. <laughs> it was a scandal. So, good for you, UAB. <laughs> Mike Price. You can't that was part of like the worst stretch in Alabama football history. It's yeah, well, the best strap, the the best stretch in Mike Price's coaching career, I think. Would be. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised to so, see he's still coaching, frankly, but uh, probably not for long. He can't. He can't win. Uh, there's some weird story about why he's there. I feel like. I don't know. It's anyway, Mike Price is into. terrible. UTEP's terrible. UAB's wonderful. All so right. Final game we want to review, and I don't even really have anything to say about it. Florida, Florida State. Florida State wins this one, 38-22. They're the Seminoles, man. They're a top-shelf team. <laughs> Bama, Bama got a huge win. They should be bumped up a little bit. Playoff, committee's eyes. Yeah. Marquee win. Look what they did to the Gators. Who just who does that to Florida, huh? Nobody. Oh. Except almost everybody this year. Yeah, not UAB though. Um so <laughs> UAB, that correct. that gives that gives the Seminoles five wins and they have their rescheduled Louisiana Monroe game this weekend, which obviously is the top of our preview list. So if they win that, they're going to a bowl. But uh, they won't play in the Bahamas because that's already set. Sorry. Sorry, Knowles. That's embarrassing. Tough season for the Knowles, man. I feel, I feel kind of bad for them. Yeah. I, I think that is kind of the takeaway from this. Yeah. But, you know, I'll never get the picture of Jimbo Fisher running off the field. Panic <laughs> <laughs> at the come out of the stands. I'll just never get that out of my head. And then he goes to the interview and says, I was just telling you, hey, cheer for our team. Sure. Well, you know. <laughs> That fan who was asking for a new coaching staff might actually get it if all of these rumors uh, end up being true. The but coaching carousel's turning. Yeah. It's turning so fast it has its own gravitational force, and it might be pulling Jimbo Fisher away. So, uh, But before we talk about that, let's talk about conference championship preview. It's going to be a whole day of team sports and beer. Get the old heart rate up. Maybe pound a cheeseburger in the sun. Throw some butter on it. You're going to love it. All right. So, conference championship games. Maybe I haven't been paying attention before, but this year, five uh, of the conference championship games. Okay, so the Power Five conferences, three of them are rematches 
for from this year. Is that typical? I, it's. It, uh, I mean, the Big Twelve is automatically going to have a rematch. Like it can't. I think. I think yeah, and I think that whole thing, the Big Twelve makes it. You know, it. it I don't know. It makes it look. Uh, what am I saying? I think it makes it look a little unusual. I guess I should uh-huh. say. It's not that unlikely. I mean, the odds are against it that you would have a rematch in championship games like this. The Big Twelve is a is a definite rematch, right? Uh, By but, design, yep. Yeah, but it's not a. It's not too abnormal because, like in the SEC, Alabama's going to play a couple teams from the East, and so that one of those could make it to uh, the conference championship isn't too abnormal. Um, but yeah, so it, it's a little strange, but it's not completely sure. out of character. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk ACC first. So uh, the ACC championship game is set. Clemson facing off against Miami. Clemson's expected to win by nine and a half points. They're playing this at the Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina, which seems to fa- favor Clemson a little bit more. This is an 8 p.m. game on ABC on Saturday. So while we're talking about these games, uh, I thought it would be good if we talked about our prediction for the conference championship matchup that we predicted way back in our season preview podcast. Still available on iTunes. So I had... FSU playing against Miami and predicted FSU to win, which is seems really unlikely to happen at this point, you know, seeing as they're not even in the game. Or, There's still an outside chance. There's still an outside <laughs> chance. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had the same thing. I had Florida State-Miami. I yeah. had Florida State winning. Um, it, that's not going to happen. No. So... I remember actually when we were doing the preview, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, I definitely think Miami is going to uh, be in, I don't know, the Atlantic or Coastal or whichever division they're going into. And so I was going, okay, is it going to be FSU or is it going to be Clemson? FSU or Clemson? I was like, no, Clemson lost Sean Watson. FSU is going to be amazing this year. They were not. And so, all right. So basically here's what we have. We have Clemson... Expected to win against Miami. Miami actually, I think things are worse for Miami than even this spread seems. So Miami now has two pretty large injuries on their offense. They lost their tight end, Christopher Herndon, in the pit game with a knee injury. And now apparently wide receiver Amon Richards was injured in practice. So these two players account for over 900 yards of production on the season and seven touchdowns. So these losses are going to be... Like, they're, they're going to haunt Miami. Um, and they were already, you know, a 10-point dog before this Richard injury uh, was even factored in. So we'll see how much the line moves. I, I think this news just came out today. So, uh, and I checked this line, I don't know, two days ago. I haven't even checked to see if it's been affected. But I don't know. I think, I think Clemson's probably the better team. Uh, they've... Uh, as you've said before uh, about other teams, I think they're used to being kind of more in the the spotlight than Miami. Miami obviously couldn't handle against Pitt. I don't know. I, I think th- that Clemson wins. I don't know. Twenty-eight twenty. 
yeah, I think Clemson will win this, and <clears throat> you know, looking back again at you know the, our prediction back on uh, our first podcast, which you can still get on iTunes, mm-hmm. uh, was very educational and entertaining, as yep. far as I recall. Um, yeah, I mean, Clemson lost to Sean Watson, and but then Florida State also lost DeAndre Francois That's when true. they played Alabama, and so. The difference there is Clemson knew that they were losing to Sean Watson. Florida State had no idea. And so they had been developing Kelly Bryant. Kelly Bryant's also a junior. Mm-hmm. The guy backing up DeAndre Francois is a true freshman thrown in there. And so um, that kind of spells the difference in how the seasons went. Um, so uh, it's unfortunate, but um, I think Florida State's better than their record in terms of the team that Alabama played, but Clemson is, uh, they have a good defense. Kelly Bryant uh, being a little bit older, I think not, you know, coming in, starting as a freshman, but had to you know, got to sit under Sean Watson. He's better than I think a lot of people thought. He's also developed over the season. Didn't think he was that great against Auburn, etc., etc. So, um, matchup, Clemson-Miami, I do think Clemson's going to win, and I think they'll uh, they won't run away with it, but it'll they'll win handily. They'll win thirty-one fourteen. All right. Next, let's talk Big Ten. So, matchup is set: Wisconsin playing against Ohio State, undefeated Wisconsin, two loss Ohio State. Ohio State expected to win by just under a touchdown. Playing at the Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana, eight p.m. on Fox is where you can catch that. <coughs> So, my Big Ten championship prediction was Ohio State-Wisconsin. So, I called this one. Um, And I predicted Ohio State would win. So, word is that JT Barrett will be back uh, for this game, despite being hit in the knee with a disposable Kodak, which isn't great for Wisconsin, who has Alex Hornibrook, who has been good but not great this year, playing opposite him. On the other hand, and I don't know that we've talked about him at all this this year, Wisconsin has running back Jonathan Taylor, who has rushed for over 1,800 yards this year and had 13 touchdowns, averages seven yards, over seven yards a carry. This is the third most of any uh, FBS freshman in history, and he still has a minimum of two games left to play. So I think Adrian Peterson is the current record holder. Uh, but if he gets a couple hundred more yards, he could easily pass him. And uh, that's not entirely unlikely. So we actually disrespected Ohio State previously by not even previewing the game against Iowa because we assumed that they would trounce them. So I'm going to just assume that Ohio State should also win this game too, and I really hope we have a similar result here. So Ohio State wins big, I think, 38-24. to yeah, I think Ohio State will win um, and somewhat vindicate the committee. Uh, I also had Ohio State Wisconsin in this game. I had Ohio State winning. I'll take Ohio State uh, 38-17. All right. Next, Big 12. TCU in a rematch against Oklahoma. So Oklahoma is a touchdown favorite, playing at the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. This is a 12.30 p.m. game on Fox. For my Big 12 championship prediction, I had Oklahoma playing against Oklahoma State, with Oklahoma 
being the victor there. I still think Oklahoma's going to win this one, but gosh, I, I just can't get over how stupid this is. I mean, Big 12, you idiots. It, so if they didn't decide on this stupid championship game, quote-unquote, then Oklahoma would be in the playoff already. Uh, instead, they have a chance to blow it here with a loss to TCU, and then almost certainly you know, the Big 12 is out. So I have Oklahoma winning in a shootout, 42-35. Yes, rematch. Uh, there's some bad blood, I think, between TCU and Oklahoma. Um, Gary Patterson's a very good defensive coach. Their defense didn't. That's coach for TCU. Uh, they did not play very well defensively in this first go around, giving up 500, 500 plus yards of offense to Oklahoma. I think they'll come up with something. I think it'll be very close. And I think TCU wins. Really? All right. What's your score? 35-31. Mm. Okay. You think they're going to limit Baker Mayfield to 31 points? I don't know. Uh, yes, they are. He could very well be suspended for doing something stupid again. Dude, that guy's nuts, man. He is nuts. <laughs> he's just—he uh, strikes me as immature. I mean, I'll—I'll—I yeah. I'll, think a lot of the the coverage of his behavior has been a little bit unfair. I have to remind myself that he's like twenty-one or twenty-two. Uh, but <laughs> he kind—he kind of reminds me of me back in the bowling alley. Yeah, you know? <laughs> of course, we were in middle school then. So exactly. Yeah. All right, next we have the Pac-12 championship game. This is Stanford-USC. USC expected to win by four points. They're playing at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California, Friday at 8 p.m. on ESPN. So is Santa Clara, California is like right where Stanford is. They don't normally play at the Levi Stadium, do they? I don't know. This is practically a home game for them. They could walk there from campus. Um, Let's go Cardinal. So my Pac-12 championship prediction was Washington being in this game against USC, and I had Washington to win that. So I will not get my prediction in this one either. What well, what was yours? It was this, right? You had Stanford. Yeah, it was USC. Stanford USC. Uh, I keep cheering for the Cardinal because I'm just so happy that they made it after losing to San Diego State a couple of their losses Um, but yeah so they made it but I've got USC winning Um, and also I forgot to mention my Big 12 pick was Oklahoma Oklahoma State but I had Oklahoma State winning uh, solely based on Mike Gundy's mullet oh yeah that apparently was not (laughs) a um good basis on which to bet. I'll know that for the future. Wow. Um, educational here at the podcast. That, uh, that mullet's apparently worth something like $40 million or something crazy over like six years. We can talk about that in a minute. Uh, but not at Tennessee. Not okay. at Tennessee. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I got USC beating Stanford. And I'm going to go... I mean, they whooped him earlier in the year, didn't they? Didn't they play? So, yes, this is... A, yeah, this is another rematch. The Okay, so I'll just tell you kind of what I think about this game, and you can tell me where I'm, I'm wrong. So, um, 
this Pac-12 championship game just kind of seems boring to me, frankly. I've kind of become one of those people that the coaches always complain about who doesn't consider a good bowl game to be a success and only really cares about the playoffs. And also That's because you've only been an Alabama fan yeah, since right. 2012. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Jason, your fandom is so young and started just terribly. I mean, there's nowhere to go but That's down from here. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm one of those typical fans who really only cares about the playoffs and the Bahamas Bowl, you know? It, it seems like every Joe Schmo out there can only talk about the playoffs and who's playing in the Bahamas, but... Um, <laughs> Will Stanford or USC win this? Uh, gosh, see, I'm not sure. Sam Darnold is, of course, a huge wild card. Although, if you look at it, so we gave him a lot of, uh, we hassled him a lot. Um, but if when you look matter, at yeah. him uh, and the picks he throws over the course of the season, it does seem to illustrate improvement. So here are his number of picks in each game through the season. So uh, first game, two. Second game, two. So it was two, two. Two one 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 zero one zero one zero one, and assuming at some point he'll stop throwing them all together, uh, just to really drive that progress point home. Uh, but completed yards and completion percentage have been completely erratic, though. So who knows? Uh, it, it is a rematch. Uh, they played in the second game of the season, as you said, and USC whooped them. It was forty-two to twenty-four. But I actually think Stanford has shown a lot of improvement over the course of the season. Recently, they beat Washington. They beat Notre Dame. Uh, so I think they got this. I think Stanford wins 41-35. to 35. Oh, man. Go Cardinal. I love it. Uh, one thing you need to go back and look at, though, is how many fumbles did he lose as well? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, so, I don't have that. <laughs> because he did lose a few fumbles. And I wonder, as the interceptions went down, it's just because they didn't get out of his hand. It was on the ground. <laughs> um, so he was still giving the ball to the defense. I'm just not sure... But our big issue with him early on, I mean, I suppose that's maybe in some ways a worse problem to have, is that he would, like, throw it into triple coverage, and of course it would get picked off. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll fit it into that window. Oh, wait, that guy is on the other jersey. Um, Yeah, so I'm going to go. I love the Stanford pick. I love that you did that. I'll go Cardinal. But uh, we're going to go USC Trojans win a close one. 28-27. 28-27. Mm. Okay. So win the Pac-12 and go to? I don't know. Not the Bahamas. Some bowl that's not in the playoffs. Or the Bahamas. All right. Or, or Birmingham. <laughs> or Birmingham. Yeah. I'm probably not going there either. Probably so not Santa Clara. Uh, finally, we have the SEC championship game. It is yet another rematch. Georgia playing against Auburn. Auburn just under a field goal favorite here, playing at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. This is a 4 p.m. game. You can catch it on CBS. So somebody was telling me that, uh, oh, this is practically a home game for for Georgia, but it's really not that far from Auburn either, and it's not like Auburn fans don't travel. Uh, So... Uh, my SEC championship prediction at the beginning of the season was Alabama would play against Florida and Alabama would win this. So neither of those teams are in this championship game, which is almost funny. Uh, so Almost. So I have Auburn winning this. I, I think 
28-21 seems about right to me. I don't think that Georgia is as ineffective as, as they were against Auburn a couple weeks back. Uh, I just I think Auburn's the better team all the way around. But um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what to think about this. I, I frankly wouldn't be surprised if Georgia won it, but I, I don't think they will. Yeah, so I got, uh, I, or I should say I had, uh, Alabama and Georgia in the championship game. Uh, and I got that right. So it's a team from Alabama <laughs> and Georgia playing in the championship game. Um, yeah, this is going to be a very interesting game. I mean, it's it would be really hard for Georgia to be as ineffective as they were the first time around. Okay. Um, but if... Interestingly, if you go back, uh, I went back and watched the uh, that game again on like the you know the Bama Auburn or the Georgia Auburn game in thirty minutes sort of thing on YouTube. Georgia did very similar things that Alabama did, although they only ended up running for forty six yards. Yeah. If you look at the beginning of the game, Georgia marches right down the field running the ball, and scores a touchdown. There was a series of mistakes. They kept giving Auburn uh, first downs through penalties. They had like the leaping penalty, maybe that we talked about. Sure. Um, that gave them a first down. They muffed a punt that Auburn recovered for, or, then, or covered like on Georgia's twenty, and they went down. And then I think they tried to rely on the pass a little bit earlier, too much, but partly because they started, you know, to to go down and needed to score quickly. I don't think they make that same mistake this time. I think they run the ball because they could run it effectively against Auburn, but they, they did, just didn't run the ball. I think they'll look at what Alabama did, look at what they didn't do well, and they'll run a lot more effectively. Their defense will play better, and they won't make the same mistakes, which at the very least will make it a closer game. Um Man, and I really want to say that Georgia's going to win, mm-hmm. but I just don't think they're going to win. I don't win. think so either. I really want to say that they're going to win. I, I got, I'll take Auburn 31 to 30. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Close. All right. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to But I to... would not be surprised at all to see Georgia win. And I really, I kind of want to see Bama play Auburn in the playoffs. That would be great. Do you so think good. that either outcome for this game significantly impacts Alabama's chances of making it into the playoff? I mean, it just seems like whoever wins this game's in, and then you know Alabama would basically just stay right where they are. Yeah, I think uh, ACC SEC winner is in, mm-hmm. and then I mean, I think if I think if Ohio State wins. I kind of think Alabama's in. I it, Now, <laughs> the problem is Ohio State athletic director is on the playoff committee. That's unfortunate. Oh. Uh, um, and that is really messed up, frankly. <laughs> but, it, dude, if, if they let Ohio State in after losing two games, it's a 15 points to Oklahoma at home. 31 to 31 Iowa. 31 to Iowa. And just because you beat a Wisconsin team that obviously the playoff committee does not respect at all, <laughs> undefeated number four, and you let them in, I, I'm going to cry foul. Yeah. Um, so I think 
Ohio State winning, I think that probably, probably I'm going to say puts Alabama in the in the playoff. Yeah. But I think if TCU beats Oklahoma, Alabama is definitely in the playoff. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully some of that chaos happens. Maybe all of it. Uh, and I guess, yeah. So then we obviously have to talk about FSU, Louisiana, Monroe. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I got the Knowles. I got the Knowles going to a bowl game. It would be really sad to have rescheduled that because they're probably, I mean, they're still paying Louisiana Monroe a lot of money, I think, to, to well, play that game. To. Uh it would be sad sure. if Louisiana Monroe just shut them. Shut them Louisiana down. Monroe probably took the game because they're like, dude, I think we could beat the Knowles. <laughs> <laughs> we get a lot of money and a win. Just like Troy and LSU. It would be so sad and embarrassing if okay. that's what, if, if Louisiana Monroe right. beats. I don't, I don't know what I want that outcome to be. I, I kind of want FSU to, to win, but... We really need Florida State to win that game, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right because that would be a win over uh, a a winning team or a team with a winning record. I guess. Uh, well, just not just winning. not a losing record. Not a losing record. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's talk coaching carousel because we've already gone pretty long already. All right. All right. Let's do it. Coaching carousel. So. We have just a ton of schools that have either fired their coaches. Actually, I think they've all fired their coaches. Uh, None have just retired. But uh, so at the top of the list, we have UCLA uh, getting rid of their old coach, Jim Mora. And their new coach is now Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly with a $6 million a year deal um, and uh, a four-year contract there. Uh, I I think that's a good hire. It doesn't surprise me that he stayed on the West Coach. There was some talk about him going to Florida, uh, but he decided to stay with UCLA. Nah, he fits on the West Coast. I think it's a great hire for UCLA. It will be weird when he plays um, Oregon, but uh, it'll yeah. be great when he plays Oregon. So uh, drama. I'm, I'm I'm eager to see what he does out there, um, because so. Is there a quarterback? I've, I've done. I, I done forgot his name. You say like Josh. Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen. Is he? <coughs> it, will he still be there? No, he's gone. Uh, that's too sad. That's too bad. All right. Uh, next up, we have Texas A and M getting rid of their coach Kevin Sumlin. So, uh, as far as I know, latest news: they don't have uh, a coach that they've hired yet, right? Uh, not that I'm aware of. We talked last week about how Jimbo Fisher is rumored to be someone that they're considering, although that still seems really weird to me. And it also seems weird that Texas A&M decided to fire Kevin Sumlin, who has a winning record, admittedly didn't do great, but they fired him in a really busy coaching carousel with a bunch of SEC teams also with vacancies. Uh, so I, it seems a little inadvisable. Think someone's gonna go to a rival? No, no. I I think it just seems weird because it just lowers their chances of getting anyone good. I, I don't think Kevin. I mean, Tennessee would be lucky to get him. Frankly, I don't know. Well, maybe uh, Kevin. Someone will go to Arkansas. Maybe. So next up, we have Arkansas uh, getting rid of Brett Belima, which was the right move. 
So there's some talk that Gus Malzahn would potentially go to Arkansas. Those rumors have died down, I feel like, in the last week or so. But uh, he is the name that they're considering, in which case Auburn would have a vacancy. And then, of course, they're talking about Jimbo Fisher for that that job, too. Um, I don't know. Next, we have Tennessee. Tennessee got rid of Butch Jones. Uh, And at this point, at this point, it almost seems like Tennessee could make a stupid mistake and just be like, oh, let's just hire him back. So (laughs) Tennessee apparently tried to hire uh, Greg Schiano from Ohio State, and that went over terribly. A like a, a mob practically with uh, fire and, and pitchforks formed and basically pushed back against the school. People threatened to uh, stop giving donations. It was all over Twitter. And I, I don't know. It, it, it was probably a, a little overblown. But uh, the, the main reason they seemed to be upset was because... Uh, Greg Schiano apparently knew about uh, Sandusky when he worked at Penn State and didn't say anything. Uh, I, I I haven't read any of these reports. I don't know how much uh, how much of that was well founded and how of it, much of it was just kind of mob mentality. Well, but uh, yeah, the- dude, it's it, it's a very strange situation. I I remember I think you texted me this. Yeah, and I was like, really, Schiano? That's interesting. And so, I, I mean, I searched a little bit, and there was one article that said, documents show. Mm-hmm. The, the documents they're talking about, they were an interview with a guy who said, somebody else once told me that Shiano saw <laughs> Sandusky with the boy in the shower one time. Uh-huh. And that's, that's the foundation for it yeah. all. But people who actually investigated, journalists that were focused on this whole situation, a bunch of people have come out and said there's no actual evidence that Shiano knew anything was happening. Yeah. So this is amazingly terrible for Tennessee, just all the way around. Yeah. Like, if, one, if, like, you're going to hire the guy, right? Mm then you should have, if you didn't do your homework, you should have done your homework based on the fact that he was at Penn State. Was he involved? Did he know? All that kind of stuff. Two, if your fans then come out and say it, you need to stick by your hire. Yeah. And the reason you need to stick by your hire is now coaches who are being interviewed, I mean, are you going to like have a contract literally signed by the athletic director and me and then turn your back on me if like a fan types, hey, I don't like this guy, gets a mob together? Mm-hmm. Like you, got, you just gotta stick by your hire when that happens, and say no. We did do our due, due diligence, and we we are certain that he didn't do it. And here's the evidence: we think he's a good man and a good football coach. And pretty much everybody outside of Tennessee has come to Shiano's defense and been like, "Guys, this guy's an awesome dude. Yeah, and he's a good football coach." I mean, so he, it's a pretty sad situation because now, not only for Shiano, I, I think he could easily file a lawsuit. Sure, but um, but for Tennessee. What, what good coach is going to trust you and be like, you really have my back? Because when the fans turn on me, your things aren't exactly great because I'm walking into a horrible situation right now. But if the fans turn on me, you're just going to fire me? Because uh, I don't know that I trust you a whole lot. So this could get really ugly for Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, it 
it's clearly not been handled well. And Tennessee fans, I think, at this point are getting a little bit desperate. That rock that they just love to spray paint or whatever now says, I think, bring Lane home. So, so now, <laughs> now, apparently, with Which just, it would be amazing. That would Please. be amazing. Oh my gosh, it would be so amazing. Please, Lane Kiffin, I, if I you're listening, like which I know that you do because you, you tweet do. about it all the time. Yeah. You need to go to Tennessee. You Come do. on, Lane. Get on the Lane train to Knoxville. I, I think at, at in his heart, he is kind of the biggest troll. You know, he's just constantly, I don't know, uh, in his harassing. Heart, he is kind of the biggest troll. He is. Uh, he just, what a great comment. He just loves harassing people. And frankly, he's pretty good at it. He I is. think that there are tremendous opportunities if he took that job at Tennessee um, to, to troll some people. Uh, <coughs> and he so, almost beat Alabama as one game he played. Yeah. Um, all right. Then we have Florida, who let go of Jim McElwain, and apparently have hired Dan Mullen away from yeah. Mississippi State. Yeah. Uh, he has a $6 million a year contract over six years. Uh, I, this is probably a really good hire for them. So... I don't know. We'll we'll see how that all works out. Uh, but that does leave Mississippi State uh, looking for uh, a new coach. So getting rid, or not even getting rid, just uh, Dan Mullen leaving. So I was wrong. Not all of them fired them. So Dan Mullen left. And their new coach apparently is Joe Moorhead from, I think he was a head coach at Fordham and also worked at Penn State. Yeah. Uh, what did he do at Penn State? I don't know. He coached football. But um, did no, he, I mean, it wasn't a head coach. Did he see Jerry Sandusky in the shower with him? <laughs> I, I haven't heard anything about that. <laughs> no, no, no. I think he was there after all that stuff went down. So okay. I think he's only so been very there briefly. recently. Okay. I think so. We should look that up. Okay. Uh, while you're looking that up, I'm going to talk about Ole Miss. So, but let me say quickly before we move past it. Uh-huh. Dan Mullen of Florida, I think, is a great hire. Um, I'm somewhat surprised that he actually left because I think he could have built a dynasty there. But he also maybe had done what he could do. You think um, he could have built a dynasty State. at Mississippi State? Or I shouldn't say build a dynasty. He could have become even more of a legend there, but he might already be the legend that he can be there. And so he moves on yeah. and actually wants to win things more than sure. the Egg Bowl. and. But uh, I think it's a great hire. I think Dan Mullen fits there. He was obviously coaching at Florida before. He went to Mississippi State as Urban Meyer's offensive coordinator. So he knows the program, knows the people. They trust him. It's a good hire. Yeah. Uh, for, based on what I've read, it seems like people are you know, reasonably excited about the Joe Moorhead hire too. So maybe that'll be good for them. Then we have Ole Miss, whose old coach, I guess you could say, was Hugh Freeze-ish. Um, and their new coach, apparently, their interim coach was Matt Luke, and they just took off the, the interim. So uh, they've extended him the offer to be their, their coach full-time. So I, I don't know much about him. It hasn't been the best season, but maybe this will give an op- him an opportunity to really build something there. So... So quickly, yeah. So, like I thought, Joe Moorhead's only been there. Uh, he was only there from 2016 to 2017. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Which has been uh, a surprisingly good time for Penn State. So. Indeed. Okay. 
All right, next we have Nebraska got rid of Mike Riley, and they still haven't hired a coach. The hope, I guess, in Nebraska is that Scott Frost from UCF goes there, but, again, I haven't heard much uh, regarding that lately, so uh, still on the search. Then we had Arizona State getting rid of Todd Graham, and apparently they've hired Herm Edwards. Do you know this guy? Uh, I'm not whoa, sure whoa, he's... Whoa, 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 What? Herm Edwards. He coached at... Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I know who Herm Edwards is. Yeah. Arizona State hired Herm Edwards? Yeah. Are you serious right now? I'm totally 100% serious. You know him? He hasn't coached in 10 years. And he coached in the NFL, it seems like, for... Right. Herm like, Edwards is like a... He's a... He's a co- he was a coach mainly in the NFL. Yeah. Mainly in the NFL. Um, what in the world? I'm sorry to spring this on you. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Process that for me. I I don't know who this guy is. I just know that he went like 2-12 and or something with his last season with Kansas City. I mean, everybody loves this guy. He had a couple of uh, rough seasons, but, um, yeah, Herb Edwards is kind of a legendary type dude not not legendary in the sense of he's awesome but he coached a ton in the nfl yeah um he uh yeah i think he's very well liked he's been an analyst on television now for a while i mean he didn't have the best record i think he had a losing record as a coach in the nfl but anyway i mean he coached he's going to arizona state so so he's coached for the jets the yep. Chiefs. Um, did he ever even coach? Did he coach in college? That's what I couldn't find. No, I mean, not since 2000, at least. I think he was with the Jets in 2001. He coached at San Jose State from 87 to 89. Yeah. Did he go to Arizona State? What is happening? Okay. <laughs> Dude, this is so <laughs> amazing. We have one more. We've gone really long. Yeah, We're going to have to look into this later. (laughs) Uh, One more coaching carousel uh, hire to talk about. Iowa State, their former coach was Matt Campbell, and their new coach is Matt Campbell. So everybody talked about him as being one of the, the top names to go to a bigger program, and so it was just assumed that he would, but Iowa State decided they wanted to keep him, gave him a new $22.5 million deal, so he gets $3.5 million a year over six years, and then I think he gets like a million or a million and a half uh, to give incremental raises to his staff, so good job, Matt Campbell, for getting that deal. Yeah, way to go, dude. You did awesome. Dude, I'm I'm astonished at this Herm Edwards thing. Like, it's just completely out of nowhere. Right. So, what? Um, like, does one of his kids go to him? <laughs> I'm so confused. Okay. All right. So that's all I got for this week. Mark, do you have anything else? Are you going to process this independently? I think I'm just going to have to spend some time with this. But, you know, go Herm Edwards. <laughs> uh, go Horn Frogs. And go Buckeyes. Yeah. All right. That's it for us this week. We will catch you guys next week. All right. Bye.
Dude, who would be who would it be really who would be really funny? Who would it be really funny to have as our head coach? Herm Edwards. Let's call him. Herm was like, Yeah, let's do it. 